Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Come on in. Let's settle in. All right. It's nice to see some of you come back from vacation finally. Amen. <laughs> I know we get in that vacation mode in the summer. It takes three or four weeks before we... Yeah, we, I forgot. I was supposed to go to church on Sunday. Welcome. Anybody here for the first time today? Welcome. All right. Welcome. Welcome. All right. Amen. Amen. Let's just, uh, let's just pray real quick. Father, we just, Father, we thank you for what you're doing, God. I thank you for each and every heart that's here today, Lord God, and I thank you for that. Your will for us is, is good, God. I thank you that your plans for us are good, Lord God. Thank you that your love for us is great, Lord, that your grace for us is mighty. Allow us to stand in that place today and share and receive and be filled with your grace and your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, all right. If you're just joining us, we, we're, we started a uh, series this month. And we started a series this month called The Standard. Because uh, the, the thought and the heart behind this series is just that we need to stay close to what God wants for us. Amen? We need, to, we need to get to the place where, where God wants us. We need to start, you know, walking the way God calls us to live. It's easy in this world to be distracted, to be sidetracked, to be pulled away, to be interrupted. Can anybody say amen? And listen, I've been, I've been uh, I'm preaching this to teenagers for the last 20 years. If you can be distracted, you can be destroyed. That was good. Those are my old teenagers that just said all that. They're in the like 80s now, these guys. I'm still 40, so I don't know how they did that. But So this series is all about just getting refocused, getting kind of retrained. And, and I want this series, the way, the, the way kind of God put it on my heart, I want this series to be a reboot for our spirit. Amen? Many of you guys know I, I work at, at NYU as an IT guy. And so we get emails and phone calls and, 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 you know, everybody's always dragging us over to their cell phones, to whatever gadgets we're supporting and, and whatever it is that, that's having a problem. And the response is always the same. What does your IT guy always ask you when you call him with a problem? Did you reboot? How pissed off does that get you? Non-IT people hate that. You, you hate when they tell you, did you reboot? You're like, I'm having a problem. And, and you're asked, but, but understand, and, and, and you know, we always get the attitude like, oh, that's because you don't want to do any work. It's because you don't want to come over. You don't want to fix it. You don't want to work on it. But the truth of the matter is a reboot will fix your problem like almost 90% of the time. Let me tell you why, and you'll understand how this could get real spiritual real quick. Amen? When your computer starts running slow or a certain program stops working, it's because the code in it ran, got interrupted and it ran into a problem. It got stuck. And so it, it either stuck where it can't move or it's 
going in a loop and it's trying the same thing over and over again. It's saying this, no, this, no, this, no, okay. And so the program goes this, no, this, no, this. And it's going again and again and again. And so what it does is it takes your available resources, your memory, and, and it causes other things to stop responding and stop working. And so, you, you, it, and, and sometimes that'll stop everything else from moving forward. You ever been stuck with a problem in your life where you got interrupted and you can't focus on anything else? So it makes everything else run. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't even let you shut it down. Anybody, you try to shut down the program and the program won't shut down. And sometimes it won't even let you. And, and what do you have to do? You have to hold the button do and do a hard shutdown, which is, you know, not the best thing to do to your computers. I feel like God is telling somebody here, some of you have some issues that you have, you aren't able to close, and, and it's time to hold that button down and do a hard crash. It's time to shut it down. Amen? That's for somebody. That wasn't here. That, that, and then, anyway, when you reboot, a lot of the times what it does is it resets all of the program. It erases all of the code that was damaged, all of the code that was lingering, all of the code that got interrupted. It, res- it shuts it down, it resets, and it starts from where it was working before. It starts from scratch. It goes to the original code. When you reboot, it shuts down those programs that are lingering, that are draining your memory and draining your resources, and it releases the, 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 the full resources so that it can run optimally. Rebooting can fix like 90% of the problems you're having. Sometimes spiritually, we need a, a reboot. Amen? Sometimes we need a, a restart. We need to get back to the point where we were working better before. Anybody, like, you, you feel like you've gone far. You've gone far from where you were once before. Things were, were better at a certain point. You felt closer to God. You, you, were, you were doing things differently. The relationship was better. The marriage was better, maybe. The, 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 the relationship with the kids was better. Things were different. And, and sometimes, you know, a spiritual reboot will get you right back. To, to where things were working better before. So, so uh, wherever you are today, this is brand new to you, or you've been in a Christian walk forever. Maybe you've been stuck. Maybe you feel far from God. I, I want to welcome you this morning to the reboot. Amen? Welcome to the reboot. The, the book of Romans that we'll be going through through this series, I know this is week three and we haven't started it yet, but I'm getting you ready. For the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a perfect program for a reboot because what the book does is it brings you back to the basics of the gospel and it introduces you to the full power of God. Does anybody need that in your life? You need the, the full gospel, you need the full power. So let's talk about it. Okay, the, the book of Romans, the purpose of the letter, the purpose, why we, we spoke about who the author was. Paul wrote the book of Romans. The purpose of the letter, why did he write the book of Romans to the church in Rome, was to give them a full presentation of the gospel. Why? Because the church in Rome didn't have an apostle that went there to start it. The church in Rome didn't have these, these big leaders or these people that walked with Jesus that went, you know, it didn't have that kind of leadership. It also didn't have a full Bible. The Gospels hadn't been written, Ephesians, Galatians, Corinthians, all of those books were written but sent to those particular 
um, cities. It wasn't, so, so the book of Rome, you know, so, so the church in Rome didn't have all of that information. It didn't have all of that word to instruct them and to live by. And so Paul writes this book um, to the church in Rome, and what it becomes is like a statement of faith. He says, look, this is what we believe. This is a full presentation of, of Christian theology. So if you wanted like the cliff notes of the Bible, if you read the book of Romans, you'd get like a full Bible in, the, in one book. And I believe our walk through Romans today is going to, oh, not, you know, we're not going to walk through the whole Romans today, but I'm saying our walk through Romans is going to remind us and, and, and remind others and, and show others why we need God. Why we need to hear from God. Why we need to grow with Him. Because, listen, I believe a time is coming, and many would say that time is even now among us, where we might not have these freedoms. Can we, can we get real right now? We, I believe a time is coming. Many would say that time is among us even now with the decisions that are being made, with the stuff that uh, we might not always have these freedoms. We're living in some really spiritually dark times. I don't know if you see it. I don't, I don't, I don't, I always, I always wonder, like, what are you guys thinking when I'm talking? Like, I wonder if you see it. Do, do you see how dark it is in the world today? Do you see that everybody wants to be spiritual, but nobody wants to follow God? Everybody wants it on their own terms. People want spirituality on my, on my own. I don't need God. I'll light a candle. I'll, I'll, I'll wear an amulet. I'll put a saint on my thing. And this saint will protect me from this and from that. That saint is dead. That saint can do nothing for you. Can, 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 I, can I save you some money right now? Take the saint. Take the Santa Barbara. Take it to the gold shop and get some cash for it. Because she can do nothing for you. Oh man, I wish you would really get this. She can do nothing for you. But people want spirituality on their own. I light a candle, I wear a saint. I wear, and, and so what the world has done is they've broken free from what they perceive as religion. And they've accepted what they perceive as freedom. But if you really look at it, what we've done is we've set our face against God... And we've turned to every darkness imaginable. We set our faces against God. We, we, we said, we don't need you here. We don't want you there. We don't want you telling us what to do with our bodies. We're free to do what we want. And so we've set our faces against God and we've turned to created things. I was so angry last year, the end of the end of last year, when that that massacre happened in in San Bernardino, and and you know a, a, a couple went in and shot like 14 people. It was a mass shooting, and and the Daily News the next day put a full page that said God isn't fixing this. You didn't see that. The Daily News, full cover, God isn't fixing this. So it's interesting that we want God out of our lives. We want Him out of the schools. We want Him out of the government. We want Him out of everything. But when there's a mass shooting, we expect God to fix this. When there's sickness, we want to pray. When there's tragedy, we want to turn and be spiritual. But in the meanwhile, don't tell me what to do with my body. This is my body. 
See, it's the biggest deception of the enemy, and it's been the strategy from the very beginning, is to make God, to make serving God seem limiting, and to make not serving God seem like freedom. I could do whatever I want. It's, it's, it's the deception. See, God set man up in the garden and he gave him. I wish we could like just get a glimpse of the beauty. God set man up in the garden. And imagine like the, you know, when you go to an open house and you, and you walk through and they say, whoa, these are new cabinets and these are, you know, hardwood floors. And so imagine God bringing Adam and Eve to the garden and they say, look, this, everything here is for you. You have everything. You have the air that you're breathing. You have that cool breeze against your naked bodies. Relax. Don't get crazy. But they were naked and unashamed. That's beautiful. And, and he says, and every fruit-bearing tree is here for you. You have mangoes and pineapples and canepas and, and, and like every... He, imagine God said, you have all... Uh, everything here is for you. Those flowers, look, get near them, smell them. Wow, that's for you. I put a scent on flowers so that you can be entertained by it. Oh my God. God said, I put a scent. He didn't have to put a scent on flowers. Do you understand that? He, he didn't have to put a flavor on mangoes. He could have just made them nourishing so that we can survive. Instead, he made it taste delicious. So God gave them everything that they needed, everything. But, but in order that there would be fairness, in order that you would serve me because you want to serve me, in order that you would have a choice, I'm going to put one tree in the center of the garden. And he says, of that tree you must surely not eat. Because the day you eat, you will die. Man, that's a pretty straight warning sign, right? The day you eat, you will die. But everything else. So, so, I mean, I would imagine, you know, like, let's leave the tree in Brooklyn and let's move all the way upstate so that we're nowhere near that tree. Amen? But, but it seems like, you know, man was just as dumb as we are today and, and they, they set up a camp, like, on the tree. They put one rope to the hammock on the wicked tree. And so every day they're looking at the fruit from that wicked tree. Every day, man. I wonder what that tastes like. Instead of, right? I mean, instead of, wouldn't it make sense to just be on the other side of the garden? But, you know, the, all right, anyway. So the enemy comes and the enemy says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in this beautiful garden? That's a picture. He's saying, he's saying serving God is limiting. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree? And, you know, the knucklehead... She, she says, no, you know, we can't eat from any tree. We just can't eat from that tree or, you know, and whatever. But that, the seed was already planted. You understand the seed? He's, the enemy's painting God as limiting. And, 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 and we know how that story is. They didn't have any issues until they partnered with darkness and went against the will of God. The second they went against the will of God, they realized they were naked and they were ashamed. And shame came into our lives. And, and we inherited that and they hid and they hid from God. And, and that stopped their relationship with God. And, and that's the same thing that happens to us today. The second we partner with darkness, we, we away. And l listen, right now you, you guys can, you know, you can argue with me. You can, but, but this world right now is partnering with darkness. It's all around us. 
I'm not like some conspiracy theorist. I'm not going to go crazy, but, but just look around. I, I challenge you um, to, um, th- this week, just ask God, open my eyes and show me some things. That, I don't know if that, that Cuban is talking nonsense in church. Open my eyes. I challenge you. Don't, you don't have to believe me. I challenge you this week. Say, God, open, God, if you even hear me, if you even hear me, if you're even real, God, open my eyes. Young people, teenagers, I, I, do this. Do this, because, you know, some of you sit all hardcore, you don't want to be in church, I'm fine. I know somebody, they forced you to come here today, they said, I'll take your Xbox controllers if you don't come to church with me. I know, I know some, and if you didn't do that, parents, you could do that, that's a good one. Change the Wi-Fi password, say, I won't give it to you unless you're in church with me. As for me and my house, we're going to go to church. Amen? But anyway, I'm not telling you how to raise your kids. But ask God to, so, so teens, just ask God, God, if this guy's crazy, open my eyes this week. Let me see what's going on around. Let me see what's going on in our schools. Let me, let me see what's going on uh, around in this world. Amen? I don't know how, how, uh, how closely some of you follow what's happening in the world, but did you know that there's, there's a company called Digital Archaeology, and they had plans to build the gateway, the arch the gateway of the Temple of Baal in London and in Times Square. What? Google it. I'm not lying. The, the Temple of Baal in London and in Times Square. I think they got the one in London built and they named it a different one. But then I think they, they, got, they had to cancel. I couldn't find the status last night to see where it was. I think it got canceled here in Times Square. <clears throat> maybe the church prayed. Obviously, this church didn't pray because we didn't even know. So, I, you know, I, I don't know where it's at right now, but they had plans to do a thousand of these. And they say, oh, it's because ISIS destroyed that, that gateway, and so we're recreating it as archaeological. Come on, man. Why would we? The question is not whether they did it or not. The question is why are we even thinking about doing that? Why would we be interested in recreating the arch, the gateway to the temple of Baal? Do, do you guys know who Baal is in the Bible? Baal was a false god that, that, um, that people sacrificed. At, at this temple, at this archway, they sacrificed their babies. They would throw them in the fire. And then in the, in, the, in the worship of the screaming of these children who are being burned alive, I'm sorry, welcome to church this morning, um, in the screaming of that, then they would have sexual orgies, full-on, full orgies as worship to the temple god Baal, so that Baal would get, grant them prosperity. Is this for real? Yes. Google. I mean, Google knows everything. Google doesn't lie, right? Everything on the internet is true. So, I mean, so, so we're, we're recreating. So why would we want that in Times Square, the main hub of our city? Think about this, people. Open your eyes. Wake up, church. Amen? Are we that consumed with greed? Are we, are we that obsessed with our idols? Do we want prosperity so badly that we would result to the false gods opening gateways to them? Can you think, can you see the picture? Why would we put the gateway? That's just the arch, the gateway. That means what? That means the gateway is where people come in. 
The gateway is where things are open. See, the body of Christ has to be all in, church, because the world is all sold out. All right, three of us are in. Amen. How far have we turned our hearts from God? By the way, Elijah battled those prophets back in the Old Testament in 1 Kings. You can read it there. And he proved that Baal can't answer. He proved that he can't be with you. He can't respond. He can't give you anything. He can't hear you. He can't see you. He can't hold you. He can't comfort you. He, and, and, and Elijah took out 450 prophets of Baal in one day. The crazy thing is, people don't want to believe the God of the Word, but they want to refer to the Word for other gods. We believe in Baal and Asherah and, and <clears throat> that are worshipped by those that were opposed to God and mentioned in the word, but we don't want to believe in God who is the word. Did you know that we have modern day Asherah poles in all of our main cities? In London, we have an Asherah pole in the, check this one out. The Vatican, St. Peter's Church, has an obelisk. Uh, so that you know an Asherah pole is like a, it's a phallic symbol. It's a male. It's a phallic symbol. Ask your mothers, you know, don't, don't. So we have one of those in, in um, they brought it from Egypt. The Pope brought it from Egypt and it's been moved twice. It sits in front of the Vatican. Do you know that we have one in Washington, D.C.? The Washington Monument is an obelisk, it's an Asherah pole. Church, got to open our eyes. Amen. We can't live in a little building and just be kumbayaing together and hallelujah and in a corner. We got to see what's happening in the world. Amen. There's one sobering question for the church today. How can God not judge this world? How can he not judge this world? Listen, you, you'll never hear me talk about politics from here and I'm not going to start now. Let me tell you this though. Side note. In the Old Testament, when the people of God wanted to be away from God, they wanted to turn and do their... God gave them wicked leaders to rule over them. I dropped that one right there. He gave them wicked leaders to rule over them. I'm not talking about our presidential candidates. I'm saying I'm not talking about politics. But we need to open our eyes, church. Amen? We need a reboot. We need a reset. We need to start again. We need to go back to the beginning. We need to go back to the Word. We need to go back to where we first met God. We need to go back to where we were passionate about God, where, where God was more than something we wore, where, where, where God was, was more than, 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 a, than a genie. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, help me here. God, find me a parking. God, fix this. God, find me a man. God, find me a woman. God, right? We need to go back to God. If she's not for me, block it. If, if this isn't for me, kill it. Get it away from me. If, if this is not where you want me, shut the door. Even if I try to open it, keep it shut. I don't want it. If it's not from you, I don't want it. Church, we got stuck somewhere. There are people in the body of Christ that are stuck in a loop and we're wasting the resources of the body with programs that don't work. And there are people stuck in a system that's anti-God all around us. 
And we're busy building fancier buildings to keep God in. And we're fighting with each other and we're talking about one another while the witches work together and the warlocks strategize together and they're putting up arches of Baal in our city. There are people all around us, and, and then, oh, this just gets me so mad. When Christians come, oh, I don't know if I believe in God anymore. I don't know if I believe the way I used to. Do, do you understand the word says that not believing is not an excuse? Oh, I'm going to mess your head up right now. The word says not believing is not an excuse. We don't have the excuse to say, I don't know if I believe like I used to. You know what that means? That means your program got interrupted. You let somebody talk to you. You, you, you started checking on your horoscopes and you started opening gateways to bail in your life by getting your palm read or getting or your fortune told or, or some kind of nonsense. You're rocking something on your neck that's blocking connection with God. You have something in your house that's stopping you from hearing from God. Stop looking at created things and idols and say, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. Reboot. Because listen, we don't have the excuse. We, 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 God is so evident all around us. That's like saying you don't believe in, in, in the dark and then calling it something else when there's no light in the room. I thought Takayaito today. Our reboot and our walk in the book of Romans starts right here. Romans 1.18. Throw that up on the screen if you can. Romans 1.18. 1.18. The wrath of God. We got that? The wrath of God. Man, that's hard. The wrath of God. Is being revealed from heaven against all of the godlessness and the wickedness of men who, <coughs> who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. That's us. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse Man, in creation the creation testifies to God the create we say no but 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 you know my college teaches evolution but but come on man wake up we have to, we came from tadpoles that turned into monkeys the monkeys turned into humans but yet we have tadpoles we have frogs we have monkeys we have humans but somehow science can't find all the transitional animals that 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 started from one to the other there's a hole in that theory church the evidence of creation is amazing. We were created male and female. God created them. David wrote in Psalm 19, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day and after day they pour forth speech. And night after night they display knowledge. The sky. How many people around you and you're always looking at the sky and say, Wow, that's so beautiful. That's so amazing. It looks like somebody painted it. Because somebody did. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> 
God speaks to Job in Job 12 and he corrects him when, when Job was complaining a little bit. Job, Job, uh, God tells him, ask the animals and they'll teach you or the birds of the air and they'll tell you or speak to the earth and it'll teach you or let the fish of the sea inform you which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord had done this. In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. So let's ask, why is Paul talking like this at the very start of his letter? This is Romans 1. Why is Paul going in on the wrath of God? So let's back up a little to see how he got there and where he's going. Amen? Let's back up. Beep, beep, beep. So the first thing Paul does, we, we talked about last week, he introduces himself. He says, Romans 1, 1, I am Paul, a servant, a slave of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel. So before Paul says anything else, he says, before anything else, I'm a servant of Christ. I've been bought and paid for. I belong to him. Then he says, I've been called out and set apart for the gospel. I'm a slave. I've been called out and set apart for the gospel. Verse 2, he says, which God, this gospel, he's talking about the gospel, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. What did he just do there? Remember, Paul is a schooled Pharisee. So Paul knew the Old Testament scriptures. He studied them. He was taught and trained in the word. And so he was so passionate about God and about the law that he used to persecute Christians because he said they were so against the law. They were, they're not what he understood. And so he would persecute Christians. He got permission to pull Christians out of their homes and have them killed. That's the passion and the, and the, and the religious you know, zealot that he was. And so he was there when the first martyr was recorded stoned to death just for following Christ. And so what he's doing right here, he's testifying to the church in Rome and to us today that I've studied the scriptures, this Jesus is the one. He's saying, he's, this is the one that was spoken about by the prophets through the scriptures. He's the Messiah. He's the promised one. See, there were hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament that the Messiah had to fulfill each one in order to be declared the Messiah. And so he, when you study the Old Testament scriptures as a Pharisee would and would know them, he knew that, that the, these prophecies had to be fulfilled. And so he says here, Jesus is the one, and, and he mentions a couple of them in that passage that I read. He said Jesus came in the flesh. He said he was a descendant from David, so he was born through David's lineage. He said he was declared to be the son of God, meaning he was one with God, and, and he resurrected from the dead. That was a big one. A lot of people in those times claimed, I'm the Messiah, and I'm from this, and, I'm, and you can fake a passport, and you can fake, a, but the resurrection part was a hard thing to fake. So Paul had an encounter with this Jesus because sometimes God has to reboot you. And, and, and man, Paul had an encounter where God held down that button and shut him down. Left him blind for three days. And this encounter with God was so life-changing that it sent him back through the scriptures probably. And he probably saw, once his eyes were opened, how Jesus fulfilled every prophecy he'd ever studied. And so after that encounter with Jesus, he was all in. 
He was all in no matter what. Nothing else mattered. He, he would say, man, there's no convincing me otherwise. I've seen it with my own eyes. I, I've studied it in the scripture. He says, I don't care if you don't like it. I don't care if it's not what you want to hear. I don't care if it goes against what you believe or what you've been taught. I don't care if it's politically incorrect. I don't care if it makes you feel uncomfortable. The main theme of Romans is Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Understand, for people in Rome, the, the thought of a, of a Jewish guy that was killed, of a, not of, of, any, of any power or any, that would, be, uh, that would be shameful. They were very big on power and authority. And, and so he says, Paul is telling them, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew and then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is from faith, by faith, from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. See, Rome thought they knew all about power. The biggest thing about Rome was power, control. (coughs) And so they thought that they controlled. But despite all of their power, the Romans were powerless to make themselves righteous before God. Even though they tried they tried with religions. They tried. What the Romans did, the, the little background on Rome, what they did was they adopted all of the Greek gods. And so they took Zeus and, and all the Greek gods, they adopted them and renamed them. So Zeus became Jupiter and this one became Hera and they, and they gave them new names. So, so the, 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 not the church in Rome, but the Roman people, the people of Rome had many, many gods. They worshiped the sun. They worshiped this. They worshiped chancletas. They worshiped you know, chuletas, they, 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 everything that was good to them, they worshipped it because they wanted more of a, you know, and so they thought in worshipping all these things, we could control all these things. But they could never make themselves right with God. So Paul is teaching, the one that believes can receive the power of God for salvation. And even more than that, because that's just half of the gospel that most people know. The other part is this. There's a righteousness that's revealed or imparted to us, and it makes us justified in Christ. So, see, when God, when we accept, when we come to God and we, we repent of our sins and we turn to, to, to God, we, we receive salvation, and more than that, our sins are forgiven, and more than that, we receive the righteousness of Christ. What does that mean? That means God looks at us as if we were never a sinner. What? God, that's what the power of salvation that he's talking about. If, If God justifies a sinner, it doesn't mean that he finds some reasons to prove that he was right, or it doesn't mean that he even makes the sinner a good man. It means that God treats the sinner as if he had never been a sinner at all. Wow. I'm sorry, I'm going fast. I'm trying to, trying to get through this. Romans 1, 16 and 17 talk about the righteousness of God, which then brings us to where we started in verse 18, the wrath of God. You can't talk about the righteousness of God without first understanding the wrath of God. The first step to salvation is recognizing we need it. Nobody wants to be, nobody will accept salvation. Nobody will get saved unless they understand I need to be saved. I'm, I'm in trouble. Right? 
You don't understand. If, if somebody came here and said, you need to get out of this building right now. And you're like, why? I'm fine in this building. And you said, no, you don't understand what we're seeing outside in the street. The, the building next door, the roof is about to, to cave in. It's leaning. And right now, you need to get out of this building. And, and you say, I'm fine in this building. I'm fine. I don't see no problem. Everybody else is in this building. Nobody else is running. Why should I leave? You don't Because you don't understand that you need to be saved. You don't understand what's happening. You need salvation and that's that's where paul is going we we need we don't know we need a savior until we understand how sinful we are yeah i know this is a real encouraging message i'm glad you all came especially especially all the new people thank you for coming today see some people actually believe they're pretty good i talk to people all the time they think they're pretty good I don't need that. I don't need religion as a crutch. This, this, that, ba, 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 whatever. I, I don't, I'm a pretty good person. And why? Why do they think they're pretty good? They compare themselves to the lowest scum of the earth. <laughs> right? You, you, you compare yourself to the dirty old man that's selling children into sex slave trafficking. And compared to him, you're a pretty good person. <laughs> right? You, you, compared to him, you're pretty good. When you, when you put it on a scale, you're, wow, you know, he's sinking quick. You're staying afloat, but, but, but let, me, let me let you in on the truth. If you ever told one lie, one lie, you're a sinner. If you've ever stolen one thing, if you've ever taken one thing that didn't belong to you, you're a thief. So you're a sinner? You're a thief? If, even if it was just one time. Some of you are really, really good people. I can see. You know, you're, you're good people. Some of you are, man, you look good. You're sharp. You're good people. You do good things. You, you, you give. You donate to charities. You, you help out. You, you know, you come to the church. You endure standing hearing me talk. You're good people. But remember when you were three and, and, and there was blue, blue marker all over the wall in the kitchen and mommy came in. Who did that? And you had the blue marker in your hand. And you said, I don't know. Did you write on the walls? Not me. Where did we learn how to lie? Where did we learn how to lie? Do you remember the first time your kid lied to you? He was probably like couldn't even talk yet and he lied already. You little dirty liar. Why? Why? See, we're born, we're born, we carry the sin of Adam. We're sinful. I'm sorry, nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to think, oh, think good thoughts and you're good people. But we're sinful. Talk too much, my iPad shut down. That was good. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Don't get in on my message, though. What's going on? <laughs> Guess what? If you ever, if you ever told, if you ever gossiped, and that disqualifies every Hispanic in this place, because we live for the bochinche. You can't cover up even one sin. That's what I want you to get. 
You can't cover up even one. And, and if you dare tell me that you've only had one sin in your life, that already makes you a liar. Right? You're already a liar. <clears throat> this commentary I read puts it so dramatic. Look, he puts it this way. He says, not dramatic, I mean so powerful. The wrath of God is living, it's active, it's dynamic, and it's constantly operational against all evil. Not one little sin will ever be able to crawl by the eyes of the eternal God without being either forgiven through the blood of Christ or punished with everlasting destruction away from God's presence. Worship team, you guys can come. Can you, can you grasp that for a minute? Every sin, every sin, every, say every, every. You know what that means in the Greek? Every. In the Hebrew, every. I'm not that smart. Every sin has to either be forgiven or punished. Wow, can you feel the weight of that? That's not funny. Every sin either has to be forgiven or punished. Every sin. Think about the stuff you said this morning. Think about your attitude this morning. I don't even want to go to that church today. We got to go to that church. It's early, 11 o'clock, but you know. But still, you know, some of you show up at 12, so I, I'm saying, you know. Every sin has to either be forgiven or punished. And, and listen, people talk about the wrath of God and equate it to our human emotions, like God is angry and God is out of control. We need to understand that for the believer, the wrath of God has, is satisfied in the Savior. God's not angry at you anymore. Wow. God's not angry at you. The wrath of God has been satisfied in the Savior. Listen, if you're, if you're stuck in shame for something you did, reboot today. Go back to what the Word says about you, not what you've heard. Go back to what the Word says you are, not what you've been told. Go back to what the Word says, not what you read in those other books. Go back, reboot, go back to the original program. If you, if you can't get free from your past and you keep repeating and you're stuck in a cycle, reboot, restart with God today. Go back to the original code. Somebody say amen. We need to get to the place where we understand we need a savior. We need rescuing. We need redeeming. Not one of us is good enough. Not one of us is right enough. But in Christ, God makes us right with him. God's righteousness is revealed in us, counting us blameless before God. Paul is explaining the wrath of God to the church in Rome and to us today not to magnify our sin, but to magnify His grace. God is that good. Not to show us how sick and depraved humanity is, but to show us how good and how gracious our God is. So my prayer, church, my challenge to you this week is that you would ask God to open your eyes. That you would find the peace of God for your life and the acceptance of God and the righteousness of Christ in your life. If you haven't made that decision to follow God, if you haven't even understood until now that I need God, 
Don't leave this building without knowing that. Don't leave here without knowing that. This, this could be that call for your life. This could be that knock on your heart. I'm sure, I'm sure, I mean, God is so gracious and loves us and pursues us so much. I'm sure it's not the first. But let it not be the last. You can hear a dozen preachers say, God wants to make you rich. God wants to make you prosperous. God wants you blessed. But the heart of the Father is God wants you to be right with Him. He wants you to be right with Him. Everything else is extra. Everything else is extra. Yes, He wants you prosperous. Yes, He wants to bless you. Yes, He wants to give you good things. He's good. He's a good, good Father. But the, the heart of God, He wants to make you right with Him. He wants to make you in fellowship with Him. He created you to love Him. He created you to walk in Him. Listen, you don't have to leave here anymore and not know, does He hear me? Does, can, can He hear me when I talk to Him? Does He care? Does He love me? The answer is yes. He hears you. Yes, He cares. Yes, He loves you. And you say, but I'm a bad guy. I've done stupid things. I made a lot of mistakes. Yes, He hears you. Yes, He loves you. Yes, He cares for you. Somebody just needs to hear it today. Come home. Come home. God wants to make you right with Him. That doesn't mean you got to join a church. That doesn't mean you need a church. You need to be a part and be connected. But that, I'm not saying you need to join this church. You need to be this. You need to do that. You just, you just, you, God wants you right with Him. Let Him lead the rest of it. Don't let the enemy, this is the trick of the enemy. Don't let the enemy tell you, but if you do this, then I can't do this. That's the same strategy of the enemy. Listen, some of you are thinking right now, but if I do that, I'm living with somebody right now. I'm going to have to throw that bum out. Maybe you should, but that's not, that's not what I'm telling you to do. I'm saying don't look at your sin. God is looking at your heart right now. Make that step first, and then, 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 then say, God, lead me. God, lead me. God, guide me. If this guy is the one, if we're, man, then let's make it right. Let's go before you, God, and let's make it right. Let's put a ring on that joint. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's be committed to you, committed to each other. And you say, oh, but I have this habit and I have that habit. And I do this and I do this and I get high or I do this. Listen, keep doing what you're doing. Just turn to God and let God deal with the rest of that. Amen? I know that doesn't sound like good preaching. That sounds heretical. But religion will keep you in your sin. Religion will keep you... Religion will say, when you stop getting high, when you stop living with her, when you stop having sex, when you stop doing this, when you stop cursing, when you stop, then come to the church and then we can talk. God is saying, come to the church and talk first. Amen. Let's love on each other and let's, let's get close to God. I'll clean. I'll clean. You catch the fish, I'll clean it, God says. Come on, let's worship. Stand up, stand up. Hallelujah. Wow. Before we release you today, I just want to sing a song over you. If you're one of those that are here today,